It's time once again for another episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Being brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now, here's your host for today's episode. Hey, good morning, good morning. Well, we, as I said, we're live here in the studio in Buckhead. We're overlooking Lenox Mall, and man, it is a beautiful day in the city. I think it's exciting today. We've got a guest today that's going to just talk to us about some things which everybody finds very interesting. You're here with Michael Moore, and we've got Rich Casanova on the boards and the controls and our co-hosting today. We're brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association and co-hosted by this fine group here today that's going to tell us some things about how to do business, how to manage your wealth, and how to do something that's probably a whole lot more enjoyable than most of us take time to do. So we got Mike Cena, who is, uh, I guess I could read the long list of things, but I'd run out of places on my sleeve. So <laughs> reminding you that uh, things are going on in Buckhead, it's January, and it's uh, be February before we know it, and we'll be out of that first quarter. So, Mike, we're going to let you talk about how businesses kind of grow up and do things special today. Rich, did you have any fun this last week, or what you been up to? I'm telling you, um, this is the place to be in Atlanta with um, uh not only just Buckhead, but Atlanta's happening between uh, all of our sports franchises. Woo. So we want to want to want to jinx anything, dancing, but yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're taking up dancing, I tell you, this is going to be the fall to remember, this, the winter to remember. And with the temperatures we have here today, it's almost like springtime. Is, are those your board shorts you're wearing today? <laughs> Good thing it's radio or whatever, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the uh, judge, I could wear pretty much anything. If, I'm going to bring in a robe next time, whatever, yeah. Uh, careful now, that might, that <laughs> might get bathroom, you arrested yeah. in the halls here <laughs> if you bring in the role. Yeah. Well, today we're honored to have a, a guy who, who bills himself as a, uh, as a father, as an author, as a speaker, even as a radio personality. We'll get to that a little bit later. And the one thing that's a, a wealth manager, that's good, but then he talks about being a polo player. So, uh, you know, Mr. Yeah. Cena, I'm not going to let you start there. Start, start with uh, what got you here today. Actually, what His got horse? me here today was His horse. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you wrote it on a whose horse <laughs> was an introduction to <clears throat> excuse me, an introduction to uh, Rich by a friend of mine, Gabe O'Neill. Yeah, shout out to Gabe. Yeah, uh, yeah Gabe boy. did a great job. Gabe designed my website, and it's MikeCenaCFP.com. And so I was thrilled to get to know Gabe. I've been involved in radio for about a year. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I've been down to WSB a few times. Scott Slade is a producer of our show, the Monica Matthews Show. Monica talks about faith, politics, and life. I talk about money and life. Well, money money is an important part of life, isn't it? <laughs> it's a huge part of life. You know, let's just go ahead and jump right in there. What's the biggest money mistake people make? I think allowing their emotion to drive the bus. They... Money is very an emotional topic. Everybody has a different view of money. We're all raised with different views. Many times there's onion-like layers that you peel back to really get to the bottom of what's going on with money. And most people fail to really appreciate it as simply the tool that it is. It's a part of everyday living here in America and on planet Earth. And too many people are too close to it, they're too emotional to it, and they're too afraid of making a mistake. Well, let's go all the way out to that onion for just a minute. Let's, let's talk about those fun things about money. When people think they have a, a windfall, you know, you may have gotten a raise this year. You may have gotten, you may be planning on getting back a tax return. You may be, oh, shoot, you may even be planning on winning a lottery. You know, how, what, what are some of the mistakes that people make is they have a little, little extra? You know, that's what that's, what's the French word for it? They land you up to a little extra? Well, I will tell you one thing. Money does not change behavior. 
And the key to a what I call a rich life is behavior. And most people react negatively to that word behavior. Behavior and budget, the two words that people seem to hate the most. But deep down, if you can first and foremost save a little bit of every paycheck for yourself, put a little bit away, live on less than you earn, and make the most of what you have, you'll have a rich life. It doesn't necessarily take lots of money. I tell you, I went through a divorce in 2008. I started a new business. I finished raising my son. I learned pretty quickly, it's amazing how little I really need to be happy. And so what (laughs) I focus mostly on is helping my clients make the most of what they have now and feel comfortable, feel secure about our plan for the future. Well, use use one of those words there. I'd just like to go slide back to for a minute. You said the term budget. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, you know, most people, it's amazing. One of the most least understood things in the world today, I think, is, is not only our political process, but it's, the, it's, it's, it's budget. It's accounting. It's understanding that uh, income and income, how's it go again? But if you, if you leave a little left over for yourself and take it off the top, so I know that you're a big into the financial literacy process. I know you're also looking at But talk a little bit about why people are so afraid of the, 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 the good side of it by managing their resources. I think people feel constrained, controlled, and people generally like to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Oh, instant gratification. That doesn't instant work gratification. Well. You know, that's the American way, the magic pill, the, uh, the super bullet, whatever you might want to call it. But I find a budget is the most powerful weapon in your toolbox when it comes to producing wealth over time. I think it's more important than your income. A budget's a great tool to say no with, right? Well, you can say no with it. One of the things I've developed, it's very simple. It doesn't take too much, too much effort. But if people will track their spending for 30 days, get a little pocket journal, and write everything down, every stick of gum, every latte, every mortgage payment, every utility bill, once they really get an idea of where their money is going, I find they tend to self-budget, and things will fall into priorities. Those buckets get full. Let's, so, so we went all the way from that uh, – Gosh, what is the price of gum today? Uh, and that, let's say we got the two cents in the latte at $4. We got the mortgage payment, and we got the utility bill. So you pretty well ran the gamut there. It's all there. It's all part of it. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's in time management it's the same way. If you will look at how you spend your time, you'll find that you focus on what's important uh, without someone beating you up. Uh, with, that, with that buggy whip or no horse whip. The horse want, whip, want, yeah. You won't have to be horse whip to get your budget done. So, you know, let's, let's talk about that horse you rode in on. Now, you said that you enjoy... Uh, uh, baiting people into that horse story. So are you really a water polo player or a horse polo player? (laughs) I am a horse polo player. And I tell you, it's a terrific sport. We have a lot of fun. Well, you obviously had to budget and go for that, but that's got to be an experience. How on earth did you, a financial planner, or you, a great guy, wind up pairing up with a horse in order to win something? Well, typically, normally, it's a long story, but I lived in a neighborhood where the horse farm is the polo field, mm-hmm. and I play at a place called Chucker Farm. It's an event facility up in Alpharetta in southeast Cherokee County. And a gentleman named Jack Cashin, who is a famous restauranteur here in the Atlanta area and a terrific businessman, he built Chucker Farm back in the late 70s and early 80s. And we teach people how to play polo. And he kept Asking me to play, he finally made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. <laughs> so I started learning how to play polo when I was 54. Oh, my goodness. And it has been one of the best things I've ever done. It's very collegial. It's very athletic. We have a great group 
of men and women. We have just as many women playing polo as we do men. Well, that's we have a junior program. We've got six, eight, between eight, nine years old and 16 years old that are playing polo. And I got to give a shout out to our director of polo, a woman named Sue Lukashevitz. She and her husband, Tony, taught the stars how to play polo back in the 70s. They taught Sylvester Stallone, William Devane, Tony Robbins, Tommy Lee Jones, just a whole host of who's who that I grew up with, the stars, and they're a terrific team. Well, that's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Can you imagine going out on a Saturday afternoon watching Sly Stallone uh, on a polo, <laughs> a polo pony? <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, let's go back to that six- to nine-year-olds again. How, how tall are those Shetland ponies again they play on? <laughs> They're not that tall. Now, they're called <laughs> polo ponies, but they're typically smaller. Most of the horses out of Chucker Farm are a cross between a thoroughbred and a quarter horse. But I will tell you this. The epicenter of polo in the world today is Argentina, mm-hmm. and they breed horses specifically for polo. Well, it's amazing. Most people do not understand that horses are just like, just like uh, other four-legged critters. They're bred for a specific purpose, and I'm sure you have to be very careful about maintaining your steed or maintaining your mount and uh yep. and doing a good job and i know that's been a great time so age 54 you took up polo and uh you're, you've been doing it for a year or so i can tell just by looking looking <laughs> we're, we're we're live here and uh we can we can see the gray hairs but uh talk about your neatest experience of polo what has it taught you about the business and uh, how is it, how have you put it into your life i know you said you raised a child you raised a son also i'm sure he was around horses and uh, of course uh, uh an emphasis that you had to use uh what are some lessons you can learn from polo? I think one of the great lessons is teamwork and perseverance and sticking with it. Polo is developing motor skills, and it's not just not just you, but you're on a live animal. So there's two components taking place there. So learning how to work with a horse and then learning the motor skills, the techniques of, of hitting the ball, galloping, hitting the ball. One of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome I grew up playing football and basketball, and you were trained early on to go for the ball no matter what. And you can't do that in polo because it's a huge safety thing. Mm -hmm. So I was a prolific fouler getting started. (laughs) There's a term in polo called the line of the ball, and it's like the center line down a road. And once that ball is hit, you have to be very careful crossing the line. So if you see the ball, you can't just go for it. You've got to turn around and see, is there somebody coming? Does somebody else have the right of way? So that's the biggest lesson to learn. Well, now, who polo. gets the penalty flag, the, the horse or the rider? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely the rider. Absolutely the rider. So and, and, and if you, I hope you've had, never had any serious injuries, so, but uh, I'm sure there's some, some, some collisions out there where people miss, miss a rule every once in a while. The skills that you said, motor skills, team skills, uh, the camaraderie, the excitement of being paired with an animal, those have got to be things which just have uh, very few, very few uh, similar objects. So congratulations on being a – a polo player. You Thank also you. mentioned boats along. We won't talk about how much money you've poured into a <laughs> hole in the water, but uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, maintaining your sports and your hobbies. So you've managed to do a great job with wealth, obviously, because you've managed to hold some of it as you've been able to enjoy these hobbies. I'm not even going to ask you about what that special deal was. Maybe it was a, a year's worth of oats for your pony. Uh, that got you in, it got you into polo. But uh, out in the north side of the county, I know there's a lot of horse farms. I know there's a lot of people who do unique things. Uh, talk about some of the things that are going on in your life today that you're allowing uh, teaching and preaching, I guess, the wealth, wealth role. Where are you finding yourselves most active? In a variety of different places. I mentioned earlier before that I'm on the radio, 92.5 FM, The Bear. 
I'm a regular guest on the Monica Matthews Show, and I love talking about money. I love talking about money in life, and I try to bring a little different viewpoint to it where I actually talk about real-life situations. And once again, as I mentioned, I focus on helping people make the most of what they have and trying to get them to stay focused on their life and their situation and their objectives, not worrying about the Joneses, not worrying about what's going on in the Georgia legislature, not worrying what's going on in Washington, D.C., but focusing primarily on their life and helping them make the most of what they have. I'm also involved in a private middle school, high school up in Roswell, where I teach financial literacy. And I tell you, I have a lot of fun with that. It's a small school, and typically there's 8 to 10, maybe 12 high school students in the class. I go up about every three weeks. And we talk about any number of things, from what money is, how it was created, the barter system. Last December, we talked about the power of compound interest. (laughs) And we talked about what a Roth account is. And then we got into actual facets of business ownership. Wow. And how just because you have a passion for something doesn't necessarily mean you will be good as a business owner because they're two very different skill sets. Well, that's very true. And I'm sure the, these are high school juniors and seniors, you said? High school juniors and seniors. And the name of the school? Chrysalis Academy. Wow, that's, that's cool. So you got involved there as a, as a pay it forward? Uh, was, were your children involved there? or They were not. I actually met, um, I guess, the, uh, the headmaster and headmistress of the school out at Chucker Farm. Uh-huh. Uh, terrific couple, Roy Alexander, Sherry Alexander. Roy actually did very well financially in the automobile industry, and as he retired from that, he got involved in Mount Pisgah School up in Johns Creek, sure. I think, and was involved in uh, the board of directors and raising money and was presented an opportunity for Chrysalis Academy to take that over, and he has done so. He has got a great vision for the future of the school, and he is rebuilding it essentially from the ground up. Well, as you said, integrating uh, the the focus on the individual uh, is probably very important as you start working with these youth because many times they they come from a successful family, they maybe come from not so successful family, but helping them find their own way and look at the focus on what's important to them. So I'm sure you do some very interesting projects with the youth, which could probably be used for for financial literacy in older folks. So... Talk us through uh, some of the things that you feel most important to these youth, these youth have learned other than entrepreneurship. Well, I think one of the things they're learning, again, that I try to focus on money is a tool. And as best you can, you want to use it as a tool to enhance your life, to make the most of your life. And you want to try and remove some of the emotion when it comes to making money decisions. And People that typically generate wealth have a longer time horizon. They're not so intrigued by the shiny object, (laughs) by the immediate gratification. They understand the value of money. That's one of the things I wanted to focus on talking about compound interest, how over time it's truly phenomenal what you can do if you save on a regular basis and keep continuing to get that compound interest, that interest upon interest, and after about 15, 20, 25 years, it takes off like a rocket ship. It's, it's actually you know, that, that rule of 72 in the compound of interest. Yes. I think somebody said if you could only do $100 a month starting at 20 <laughs> and kept it up all of your life, if, if you started at 50, you have to put like $5,000 a month in to catch up. Or at 60, you've got $10,000 a month. And at 70, you've got $25,000 a month or some unusual number Straight me out well, there. I gave him a quiz. I said, well, would you rather, starting now, have $1,000 a year for 20 years 
or would you rather wait 20 years and put $2,000 a year in for the <laughs> did, next did they pass years? a test on that? One did. One, did. one figured it out, but it, it's – if I recall, it's the difference between like four hundred and sixty thousand dollars versus one hundred and sixty-five thousand. The time value of money is a huge component. Very, very true to generating wealth. Now, I know one of the things you also mentioned was you're an author, so you've uh, you've you've put together some facts that you think people should uh, commit to uh, paper and keep on their shelf, but uh, or. Read every night before they go to bed. Now, I know your book's not one of those that puts people to sleep, right? It is not. It's a fun uh, book. All right. So tell me, just, a li- tell me a little bit about that fun book you've written and, and, wh- and why you wrote that book. Well, the name of the book is Raise Your Hand If okay, I got You've that Ever part. Done Anything Stupid With Money. Mm-hmm. And it's a collection of stories, almost journal style, from 2008, 2009 through 2011. And I chronicled just what was going on during the Great Recession. And it reflects my views and opinions on being a father, on being an entrepreneur, on being a wealth manager, on being a financial planner. And it's just a collection of stories. And some of the stories prove a very definite point about we all do something stupid with money. And I will tell you, I want to republish the book, and I want to cross out (laughs) the word stupid and put human Human. above it. And too many of us forget that we're human beings. Well, my my uh, my mother-in-law as well as my mother would not allow that word to be used in our homes. So, uh, <laughs> in my house, we didn't grow up that word, but we we can use the word ignorant or uneducated. Yes. <laughs> and in reality, you're right; it is human because we can all, on any given day, do something very uh, detrimental, very unusual, or either very profound. So, the raise your hand if you've done something blank with money. Uh, you've been successful most of your life. I think you mentioned a divorce, which you survived. I think you mentioned raising a child, which you survived. You mentioned play, play, polo, which you survived. So what are some of the greatest accomplishments in your financial uh, career uh, working with people? Just talk about some of, those, uh, some of those opportunities. Well, I will tell you, as with most people, it's not a straight line. It's not an ever-escalating straight line up. It's up and down, it, uh, curly cues and all sorts of stuff. I was fired from my first two corporate jobs. I started off with Cox Enterprises out of college, and I thought that that was going to be my career path. And after the second go-around with corporate America, I figured out pretty quick that that really wasn't my path, and I have been on my own for the most part, ever since. And I've been involved in the construction business. I owned an IT business for about 23 years. Whoa, that's a good, that's a good time. You got, almost got your 25-year pen there. Almost got my 25-year pen. And I just like doing different things. I consider myself a lifelong learner. I love doing new things and learning new things and figuring out new opportunities. This whole business of writing a book and being on the radio and speaking, very different. I was brought up in somewhat of a static household. We we didn't participate in a lot of stuff. Opinion wasn't something that was promoted in my home. Essentially, I've been a very private person. But I got involved in 2009 with an organization called Toastmasters, uh-huh. which was very instrumental in opening a new flower of my life, public speaking. I was deathly afraid of public speaking. I would get throw up sick. <laughs> there were three times. That's right. Death, taxes, and speaking. Those are things that pretty well strike fear in everybody's heart. Three times I 
I bowed out of going to a meeting. I even threw my son under the bus twice, said, I can't make it today. My son is sick. And I was just lying. I was so nervous. And I finally got over that hump. It took me a full year to really get out of that abject fear of speaking. And I now have fun. So let me see. Take my kid to Six Flags and say he's sick or go speak. And you, <laughs> and you picked what? You, you, you took the short strong with the Six Flags. So, but now, obviously, you survived. So Toastmasters over a, number, over a number of years has probably helped a lot of professional speakers. We also have a group here in Georgia called NSA Georgia, yep. which is part of the National Speakers Foundation group. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, we were, uh, we, we've had guests on the shows who have had a lot of fun. And, of course, it helps people with a platform of being writers. It helps people to tell their story. Uh, but certainly Toastmasters has been a great opportunity. I bet your 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 son probably participates in Toastmasters, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. But I will say this. He's very naturally gifted. He uh-huh. is a social guy, and he has always been able to speak. And uh, he's doing he's doing fabulous right now. Well, he probably watched, watched you grow up and mature a little. You think sometimes <laughs> that's that learn-teach-learn approach? Uh, so and your, and your son is how old now? My son's 21. He's in school and college in Florida, Indian River State University. Oh, beautiful place. It is a beautiful place, uh, and uh, he's, doing, he's doing really well. I know you enjoyed visiting him. Well, I'd like to circle around. As, as we said, we talked about uh, the Buckhead Business Association. We talked about Buckhead a little bit. You're, you're obviously here in our community. You, you, su- you suffer a good, a good life up to 400 quarters, so you're thankful for that, uh, the things at the other end of it, which is us down the south end of 400. But I want to talk a little bit about branding because that's important to all of us. Uh, you've picked a great web designer, a good friend of, the, from the, friend of the organizations here. But talk about your journey over the last X number of years as you've looked at uh, social media, media, branding, identity, even a part of public speaking, which has brought you to the forefront. Let's just kind of go through that circle a little bit. That is that whole genre of activities that you mentioned is counterintuitive to me. I've always, I've always been a business guy. It's like a cliff you're fixing to jump off of, right? It is. <laughs> and self-promotion, I've never been somebody that's been engaged in that. Oh, come and, on now. You're yeah. working pretty good right now. <laughs> well, I've learned how to do it. I've learned to be comfortable with it. Uh, there's a gentleman uh, who also was involved in the Buckhead community. His name is Ted Jenkin. He and his partner, Kyle Lewis, own Oxygen Financial. And they more or less cater to the Generation XY uh, folks with financial planning, money management, insurance. And Ted has been very helpful to me over the years. And he told me probably four or five years ago, he said, deep down, it really doesn't matter how technically proficient you are at managing money or financial planning. If you can't sell, you're not going to make any money in the business. <laughs> you got to have one, one new client, right? <laughs> yes. And so he helped me get over, again, this fear of exposing myself. To a degree, there's a vulnerability when I open up myself to social media, who I am, that I play polo, that I like boating, that I have a son. And this whole notion of writing and publishing, Mm -hmm. it was scary at first. But as I gained confidence, it becomes easier. I have more fun with it, and it is opening doors all across, as you say, the 400 corridor. People are reading my material. People are going to my website. People are enjoying my YouTube channel. I'm having more opportunities to speak. I'm having more opportunities to be on radio, podcasts, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. All right, let's make that rare assumption now. You have a brand-new understudy who is a 21-year-old, booming, aspiring financial planner who has just taken some of his courses and he's come to you and said, Mike, could you give me some advice? 
how would they how would they make themselves a beacon in your industry starting today with all the tools and all the skills and all the things you've learned? I think the number one skill is learning how to listen and learning how to ask appropriate questions at the right time. But I spend most of my time with prospects, with clients listening, asking them questions, getting to understand them as an individual, and getting to understand, again, what's really going on. Money is a very intimate subject. You can't get too much more intimate with your clothes on. That's right. (laughs) There's a belly button involved there somewhere or a pocketbook. (laughs) It takes time to really get to understand somebody's true ultimate objectives. And we all have layers of clothes that we use to protect ourselves, to keep that our inner selves from becoming vulnerable. And a lot of people feel vulnerable with money. A lot of people have made bad mistakes. It's amazing how many times I come across people who are embarrassed by the decisions they've made and they're reluctant to work with an advisor. And it's it's a... Akin to it's cleaning the house before the housekeeper comes. <laughs> That's right. People people do that all the time, and they are but they are ashamed or bashful or boy, they wish they could have second thoughts. So now that you've been in the industry for a while, and I'm sure you've mentored a number of people, and you've probably seen some people begin to make mistakes, and you've watched them correct themselves. Isn't there a little satisfaction of that? There is, and I will never forget. I, this is one of my proudest moments. It was about four or five years ago a client, husband and wife, she looked at me. She says, you have changed our life. I will never forget that moment. And it took me a year of calling on them, prospecting with them before they ever signed up. And then it took another year for us to get to that point. And it was because of confidence. It was because of trust, because of knowledge, because of I think more than anything, it was because of listening (laughs) and really having a genuine interest in who they are and what their objectives were. Well, you outlined that earlier. The number one skill in your business is listening. I think so. Well, it's a big number one part of relationships. Many times we want to tell someone our story as opposed to listen to their story. Yeah. So if you were circling around and you, uh, you, you probably, do you have another book in you, by the way? I have one that's coming out. It's going to be an ebook, and I can expand it into a hardcover book. It's called The 1%, and then in parentheses underneath, and can I join? And can you join? Now, we've, we've not given all that information about your website and your Twitter handle and all that. I know in the financial services industry, you have to be extremely careful with some of those uh, things you put out in front of people. But uh, share those contact info processes for us because this is, this is for tape, man. Well, MikeSinaCFP.com. I am a senior planner with Supporting Your Choices Incorporated. We are a registered investment firm. We have an office. We're based in Florida, Georgia, and Texas. And Bobby Monroe, Certified Financial Planner, is in Tallahassee. I'm here in Atlanta. We have a part-time CPA named Deanna Corbett. And our back office staff, office manager, Jennifer Nagel, is out in Colorado. Well, you are certainly exercising virtual company-ness. We are. And this has been another new school uh, skill set for me to learn, I will tell you that. But I'm mastering it. Well, we, we've got opportunities now we never had before growing up as, as we are, we're over 19. Uh, the kids are <laughs> over 31 and over 41. I'm amazed as I watch the, 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 let's see, millennials stop at, what, 35 or 6 now, technically? Something like that, yeah. So if you really want to get a whole bunch of information that you really had not thought of that way. Go ask a 41 or 45-year-old. What have they seen differently? What would they have done differently in their life if they were 5 or 10 years either way? 
and ask them to think about that. So I'm going to ask you the same question. You are over 39, but if you were, if you had to lose a few years to be 25, 35, or 45, what would be some of the things you would seize on today that you may have missed already? I think it would all be technology-related. And even though I was in the IT business for some 23, 24 years, I was more of a businessman than an IT guy. And I love business, but I didn't like the IT stuff. And there's some things I don't embrace change. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, technology changes really, really, really fast. It's amazing the speed of innovation that's occurring on a global scale these days. And it's an enormous task to keep up with it and embrace it and enjoy it. And I get super frustrated trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> iPhone, I got my new software update, and they changed the way some things worked. That's right. It was very frustrating to figure that it, stuff it, out. It, tomorrow will never be like today, or yesterday <laughs> is never going to be like tomorrow, so we've got to be a mirror of that. So one more time, Mike, how do we get in touch with you? What's a good phone number? 404-569-6612. It's my cell phone number, 404-569-6612. And your best email? Mike at MikeCenaCFP.com. Very well, man. It has been a great day here in Buckhead. Rich, you've been awfully quiet today. Are you going to tell well, us something special happening? Well, we're working on social media here behind the scenes as well as um, – do you have a couple of observations or takeaways? We definitely want to talk about the BBA in here in just a second. But um, I like this, this conversation about uh, money mistakes and, and how you overcome them and so forth. Uh, I like your opening comment about planning to win the lottery. That's really a plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have to send out the boat. You have to feed the horse yeah. to play polo. You yeah. have to buy a ticket if you but but I really, we've heard this before, but sometimes you have to hear it a few times. But I like what Mike was talking about, this uh, 30-day journal, you know, to really track your money. And I wonder how many people have heard that but have really done it, right? Because um, that's where the action kind of kicks in. And then um, I thought when you said your next book coming out, I thought it would be Raise Your Other Hand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or, or Raise Your Finger, yeah. <laughs> a finger, yeah. Raise your, raise, your, raise, your, uh, raise your Future, I think, would be a... Raise Your Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, we've, we've been here today at the, at the behest of that co-sponsor of the Buckhead Business Association. We meet every Thursday morning, most Thursday mornings we meet, down at the City Club of Buckhead. And you can see it right out the window of our multi-million dollar studio. It's our billion dollar oh, Buckhead billion view. Dollar. Yes, <laughs> right, right over the view. But the Atlanta Financial Center up on the top, you can watch traffic go in both directions. We have great speakers, we have great fellowship, and we have a great membership. We also have some after-hours events, and as most of you know, we host the Young Bucks, which is for those millennial less, the less than 35-year-olds who are really making a difference in our city. We offer a leadership organization to have true skills-based leadership during the year. And, of course, there's just no substitute for the friends and acquaintances and the people you will meet at the Buckhead Business Association bright and early every Thursday morning. And about a couple times a year, they do a huge uh, luncheon event. Oof, you just just had one of those. Just wrap that one up. And we have one in the summertime. And, of course, we have the Taste of Buckhead Business, and we also have the Expo that comes out each year, which really puts a lot of focus on the things we do here in our city, in our neighborhood, and in our community of Buckhead. And we won't necessarily give out prices, but it's got to be the best bargain in Buckhead, right? Well, man, you, if you want to go to a private club and, and, and smooth for good coffee and good bagels, yeah, it's, 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 it's over buck ninety nine, but it's, it's, it's something you can afford. Yeah. And uh, all that's found at BuckheadBusiness.org. Every, every time you want to look on that site and, and find a new friend, you need to do that, BuckheadBusiness.org. Well, uh, Mike and Mike Show, that's a wrap for this episode. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of the Buckhead Business Show. Brought to you by the Buckhead Business Association.